Welcome, guys. Um, congratulations. You made it through the week. And I promise you, everything is going to be awesome here onwards. This session and the replay party, it's going to be fun. Um, <clears throat> so there are three, um, we're, going to, we're, we're going to break up this session into three different, um, uh, we're going to cover three major topics. The first topic is I'm going to talk about server migration service, uh, or as we internally call it, as SMS. Um, we're going to do a live demo of the tool. So I'll have a partner join me upstairs and we'll, write, we'll walk you through how would you go ahead and migrate a server using a, a server migration service of the tool SMS. Um, uh, pick up an instance and lift and shift it into AWS. And then we're going to, we're going to join, uh, we're going to be joined by one of our very important customer and a personal friend of mine. John, who will, who will share his experience using the tool to actually do migrations. Okay. Um, my name is Niraf. I'm a principal consultant with AWS Professional Services, which means I do this for a living. Right? Um, the reason I am doing this on behalf of the engineering team at AWS is some of us from professional services who are practitioners who work on the field with the customers, when we come across problems, we provide these feedback on your behalf to the engineering team. And so the product evolves based on all such feedback. So I am a customer for the engineering team equally as you are. I'm a user. Okay, and I'm very excited about what has happened with this tool, and therefore I'm here on the stage sharing that passion with you guys. Let's begin. Um, as I said, we're going to break it up in three parts, PPT, followed by a demo, and then presentation again. Okay? We'll talk, we'll talk through what is the tool, what are the pros and cons, what's good, bad, ugly, if there is any, about the tool. We'll show you the tool, um, how it works. Um, and then at that point, we will invite um, John to share his experience using the tool itself. What we are not going to cover in this session, though, is any background about migration. Why should you migrate? Is there value in migrating? None of that. Okay, there were other sessions yesterday, or there were some sessions today that has covered those topics. We're assuming you're ready to migrate and you need an automated assistance to perform this migration. Okay, that's the assumption for the session. So let's begin with a quick understanding of why are you migrating, right? There are quite a few, there are, there are a lot of reasons. Um, either you want to have cost optimization or cost efficiencies, or you're looking at enhanced performance availability, or you're just thinking of modernizing, more agility, doing globalization or you are thinking of expanding your capacity or performance, whatever your reasons are, cloud happens to be a solution, at least when it comes to migration, okay? So a lot of customers think about migration from those perspectives. <clears throat> here's, a, here's, a, here's a very quick, super high-level representation of how we, as in AWS resources, perform migrations. By no means this has any details. 
Okay, it's 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 not a good justification to cover that cover migration topic on one slide. But this is just to give you a sense of at a very very high level. You would usually go through four phases: strategy, where you will look at your portfolio, you will look at your IT assets, you look at your IT, and you will identify where do you want to end up in future. Okay, in in a lot of cases. It could be purely driven by what industry do you operate in. If the industry itself is undergoing transformation, you will be forced to adapt. Okay, so strategy will typically look at those aspects at a very high portfolio level. Look at your entire data center, your entire IT strategy, your entire industry vertical movement, and things of that nature. Once you do that, once you identify all of your assets, once you understand, once you realize what's your strategy, once you identify what is your point of arrival, you will usually go into a planning phase. Now that you know what you have and you know where you want to arrive, let's plan this journey. So the second phase is usually the planning phase, where you will start thinking about. All right. What does this asset do? What does this computer do in in particular? Do I have to carry it? Can I swap it out? Can I delete it? Can I retire it? Okay. Once you go through a planning phase, obviously there's an execution phase, um, which is represented, you know, with a little more blocks drawn under there. That is to signify that you will set up a factory type model, and start picking up one application, one workload. Whatever, whatever happens to be your execution plan, and pass on these applications through the factory to spit it out on the other end of the spectrum, which is the run. So once you migrate it, you will keep running your operation, keep your lights on, and, and and those are the typical phases of a migration. What we wanted to signify, though, is on this slide. If you were to, if I were to do this presentation last year, I would have left it at the previous slide, saying this is how you will migrate. This year. You will see there are quite a few notable changes on that slide. The two that are most important for for this session is if you look at the plan phase. There's a tool called AWS Application Discovery, and we released it, or we made it generally available in May of 2016, May of this year. Okay, about a couple of months ago, we enhanced that service to now support agentless discovery. Okay, both of these services, agent-based or agent-less, are part of that family called AWS Application Discovery Service. If you choose to install or deploy an agent on your operating system, the richness of the data that we will collect is much, much better to assist you in making intelligent decisions. If you guys are not aware of what what Application Discovery Service is. I highly recommend um, there's a there's a video presentation on YouTube, or please visit the website. It's an it's a fabulous tool. It'll also allow you to compare difference between an agentless application discovery and an agent-based system. In a very classic example, when you're doing a very high-level assessment, an agentless is a better solution for you because you haven't yet decided what you want to do. Do agentless, go agentless. You don't want to deploy agents on 5,000 hosts running in your data center. Go agentless. Do a quick discovery. If that initial discovery reveals 80% of environment could be potentially going to cloud, 
you may then choose to deploy agents. When you deploy agents, the agents will provide us much richer contextual information, such as who's talking to this machine, on what ports, coming from what IP addresses, how many ports do I talk to, and things of that nature. So you're not just performing a discovery of an IT asset as an individual component of a server. You are looking, off, you're looking at that IT asset in the larger context of how does it play a role in an application group. Okay, most of the migrations, and I want to say 99 percentile migrations, I spoke about it yesterday. Migrations don't happen at a server level, okay? Imagine, would you pick up an application running in your data center, which is three-tier, running web, middleware, and database, will you move web today, and then you'll figure out, oh, okay, middleware tomorrow, and database the day after? No, right? So the way you are going to consume this is from an application standpoint versus the industry today, the tools available today are more focused towards a server-specific point, right? And therefore, some of these components of application discovery service highly recommended use agents and get a much better picture of what your IT assets are doing for you, okay? What we did last month, October of 2016, is we went general availability with a tool that allows you in the execution phase. That's the tool we're talking about today. Applicate, sorry, AWS Server Migration Service, or SMS. Okay, we'll get into a lot more details about SMS. So let's start with why did we even do this, right? Um, as some of you might be aware, there are a lot of tools available, a lot of mature tools available from our partners, and they're awesome. They're awesome, okay? But what we also heard from our customers is data centers, you know, are a very complicated beast. Migrating them is a super complex project, okay? Now that's not the truth, though. If you've got right tools and methodology and process in place, um, you can do it. You can, you can do it fairly successfully. Large-scale migrations are laborious. You want an automated assistance, which is predictable, economical, because if you're moving 5,000 servers, and I'm going to charge you $2,000 per license per server, 100000 is your entry fee to even start the initiative, right? So we don't want to make it super price, uh, and we don't want to price out ourselves uh, and make, make it a barrier for you. Um, less transparency on the migration process is challenging. A lot of time you don't have a lot of control or you have to look at multiple places to really get a stock of, is this machine ready to be migrated? Is all the data available in AWS? A new file got written yesterday. Is that copied over? Things of that nature, right? You might have to query multiple systems to get the, to get the status quo on that system. So that is also a complexity, because now you need a layer of program management, project management, only to go and query multiple systems to get a status of, okay, good, good to go, cut over, right? There's difficulty associated in server migration. Um, and then um, even with some of those pre-dated tools, for example, AWS has a tool called VM Import Export. Awesome tool, free of cost. The only problem is, it cannot monitor changed blocks, which means if you want to do a cutover today, 
you will have to initiate the tool to do the migration today. Suspend the I.O. on the source. So if you have a non-prod environment, VM import was a good tool because you can take the system out. A planned outage was acceptable. But when you are doing a cutover of a production system, you may not have an opportunity. There may not be an appetite to do a prolonged and extended system outage only to cut over, right? So these were some of the things that we heard as a feedback from our customers, saying these are our pain points, these are the problems. And we responded, this button works, we responded um, with server migration service. Um, some of the things that I want to talk about the service, and we'll get into more details, super easy to use. It is really easy to use. If I were to take a pause, if I were to take a break for two minutes, let you go and install server migration service right now, I promise you by the end of the presentation, by the end of the session, you will be ready to migrate servers. It's really that easy. Super easy to use. Automatic and incremental replication is allowed, which means if you're going to cut over a system two weeks down the line, three weeks down the line, you will still be able to initiate a replication job today, and you will customize, you will configure your replication job to constantly hydrate the target environment in AWS, which means at the time of cutover, you're not going to have an extended outage. Okay? You're continuously replicating your source machine into the target environment. At the time of cutover, you will suspend the I.O. for a few minutes so that you can rehydrate the final changes, and then that's it. So you can actually go ahead and start seeding your data ahead of your cutover schedules without having an extended prolonged outage during cutover. You can orchestrate a very large-scale migration. When we do the demonstration, we'll show you if your vCenter environment has 500 VMs, you can actually select all those 500 and start replicating them with one click. You could be cutting over 500 servers through the same single pane of glass. Okay? Perform, uh, perform migrations faster while minimizing network bandwidth. Remember that the replication works on the snapshotting technology, which means when you start the replication job, there's a one-time tax that you will pay on the network bandwidth because you're moving the entire image. After that, it's only incremental copy. So we're not going to tax your network bandwidth at the cutover. Migrate servers in a very cost-effective manner. Guess what? Nobody can compete zero dollars. The tool is free. You can't compete a zero dollar tool. Right? It's, the tool is absolutely free. There are some limitations on how many machines for how much duration of time and things of that nature. Um, but for 80 percentile of use cases in our customer base, the tool is effectively free, zero cost. And minimal ser minimum server downtime at cutover, because as I said, you're constantly hydrating data into your target environment. So at the time of cutover, it's just a matter of the last sync. You're not replicating the entire system onto, onto AWS. How does it work? Um, quickly getting a little more deeper into, into SMS. 
Today there is a limitation that it only supports VMware-based environments, which means if you're a Hyper-V customer or if your use case asks for migrating a physical server into AWS, um, you'll have to wait for some time. Okay, um, we're working on it. We've we've heard we got a lot of feedback in 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 last month or so about customers' use cases to support other virtualization or other hypervisor environments as well as physical environments. So we'll be working upon it. As of today, it's VMware only, though. It is agentless. Best part, it is agentless. If you're migrating 5,000 servers, you're not required to install agents on those 5,000 virtual machines. Install a single connector onto your vCenter and then we'll just take it over from there, okay? So it's not manually intensive, laborious task either. The, the, the service is designed to capture incremental changes. So we're looking, we're sitting next to your hypervisor layer. Every API, uh, sorry, every block that you change on the VMDK file, we monitor it and we maintain index of it so that we can go ahead and replicate it based on your configuration. Migrate a group of VMs simultaneously. As I said, you have an opportunity to select 500 VMs from your vCenter environment and start replicating all of them together with the same click. You don't have to individually go install agents or individually configure any new replication schedules. Um, it is completely integrated with AWS Management Console and API-driven, okay? VM import export, if anybody has used it in past, would know had a limitation that it wasn't integrated into, it wasn't, um, VM import export wasn't integrated with AWS Management Console, which means you will have to use APIs or CLIs for using VM import export to do migrations into AWS. Unlike import export, SMS is completely integrated into Management Console, which means if you prefer if you prefer UI, you're welcome to use UI. If you, prefer, if you prefer API, if you want to automate, a lot of customers do that, by the way. You put a tag with your system saying, cutover date for this system is 30th of December, and then write a script which will call these APIs and cut over the system. You can actually do that, okay? So it has both AWS Management Console and APIs, and it allows you to launch easy to instances from an AMI. So what we're doing in the back end is we're taking your VMDK or OVA, we're converting it into AMIs in the back end and making it available in your account. So if you were to do cutover today, you're free to do that. Okay? What that allows you to do, again, based on one of the feedback from our customers, a lot of customers were asking about, hey, can I go and even before cutover, just do a migration, test migration, and see if it works, right? Some of you might want to do that, especially if a system is production-ready, business-critical application running on it. You might want to do a test migration before cutover. This will allow you to do that. Okay, so how do you get started? Super easy, as I said. If you were to go ahead, start doing it right now, I promise you by the end of the session you could be migrating your first VM. Okay, so the way it works is you deploy an AWS connector, which is a standalone VM, 
in your on-prem environment, in your data center. You will be able to download, if you log into your account right now, you should be able to download an OVA file, deploy that as a virtual machine on-prem, provide this virtual machine, which we refer as a connector, a service account into your VMware environment, a service account which will have access to your vCenter. Provide it with that username and password, and then that's it. The tool at that point will go using VMware APIs, query your vCenter server catalog or inventory, bring all of that back into AWS. Okay? So at that point, once the connector is deployed, once you provide with the service account, you're done on site. Uh, you're done on the data center side. You can switch back to AWS Management Console, log in, and see all of your virtual machines right there. Once you have all of these virtual machines listed right there in your AWS Management Console, you're free to go ahead, select individually or all of them together, and configure replication schedules. Okay? You can have each VM follow a separate replication schedule, or you can have same replication schedule for all of your VMs. It's user configurable. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> so some of the key features about the SMS uh, server migration service are totally automated. Once you define the schedule in the management console, you're not touching anything anywhere. It just works based on your, your configuration. You can create and manage customized replication schedules. As I said in the previous slide, you can choose to have a different replication schedule for every virtual machine or you can have all virtual machines follow the same schedule. It's it's totally user configurable option. Incremental replications for live server cutovers. So when we do the demo, we'll show you in the replication tab, there are two options. You can select a button saying replication on demand, which is right now, go do it. Or you can say at a later stage and you can define what date and what time do you want the replication to be initiated. Um, once you do that, the communication between connector and AWS management console obviously is, is super secure. Security is prime. So it's very, very secure. Rest assured, nothing is going anywhere. You can import delete service server catalog within the management console. And that's important for a couple of reasons. Um, if your migration is happening over, over a period of six months or a year, your vCenter might be undergoing changes. You might be adding additional VMs. You might be removing VMs. And therefore, you will require to update the service catalog that was imported when you started this, right? So that is a configurable option available to you as well. Today, as we speak, it supports all of these operating systems, pretty much Every Windows version, which is used in a sense of a server, is supported. A very, very large catalog of Unix-based system or Linux-based systems are supported. If your systems fall into any one of those, rest assured, it's supported. 
Okay. <coughs> Trivia, how do you get started? Download and install OVA. What's step two? I'm just trying to make sure you guys are paying attention. <laughs> All right, never mind. <laughs> never mind. What we'll do is a picture is better than just talking, right? So we're going to do a demonstration. And this time I'm serious. I'm going to be asking all these questions after the demonstration, guys. All right, you're on. Okay, um, so what we're doing for this demonstration is assuming the data center side of the configuration, which is somebody logged on to an account, downloaded the OVA template, installed the connector, provided the connector with a service account for accessing your vCenter, right? All of that is taken care of, okay? At which point, once you are done with the on-site on, on data center side of the configuration, you'll come back to the management console, log in, and you will navigate yourself to the server migration. Yep, go ahead. When you go there, this is your welcome or this is your landing page when you access the service, the, uh, when you access the server migration service. What you see over there is it shows there is one running connector. Okay? Um, point of clarification, if your VMware environment's running five virtual centers, oh, sorry, five vCenters, you will need one connector per vCenter. Okay? So that count of one running connector represents that I'm going to target an environment which is managed by a single vCenter. If I had five, I would show five. Sure. Do you match up the region to the connector? Yes. It's a one for one. Um, when you go and click on the connector, when you when you log into the connector, you know you'll typically be represent you'll typically be shown this screen, um, which quickly helps you identify a couple of things. Number one, the status of the connector is it's healthy, which means the connector is up and running. It's communicating with AWS. No network issues. No firewall problems. Nothing in between. It's talking. And then the other thing that you see is there's a connector IP address over there which could also help you identify, am I targeting Boston Data Center versus San Francisco Data Center? Okay? All right. Um, if in doubt, you obviously have direct access to a user guide, or you have an opportunity to disassociate this connector. Imagine a situation where you're done with migration. What are you going to do with this virtual machine running on-prem, right? So you'll go ahead and you can disassociate this from your account. For the first time, when you're doing this for the first time, what you'll do is you'll go and click on Import Server Catalog. And when you do that, you can navigate to the Server tab. This is what comes back to you. Okay, For the first time, when you hit on Import Server Catalog, this is what you will see you will get in return all your virtual machines managed by that vCenter environment. If your vCenter environment happens to undergo a change, there's a, there's a button in there called re-import server catalog. So all the delta changes that happen to your vCenter environment could be recaptured by using that button or using that option. 
Okay. Um, so once you've got a list of all these servers, um, you'll see quite a few details in there. What you want to do is, Sukhan, why don't you go ahead and select one server or two? Um, so he picked up two servers. You will collect or you will check box as many servers as you want, by the way. One, two, or all. And then you'll hit that button called Create Replication Jobs. When you hit that button, this is the screen. One thing to note on the screen is, uh, Sukhan, can you list down that option? Right there. Uh, with every system, you provided a choice of how do you want to manage license of this system when it when it's migrated into AWS. Okay, your three choices are auto AWS provided licenses or bring your own licenses. If you leave the if you leave the system in an auto mode, the default behavior is if it's a Windows machine, we will provide you licenses. If your source machine is a Linux machine. Auto means, or auto would default to bring your own licenses. Okay? If you don't configure, if you don't explicitly specify an option on this page, Windows means we'll charge you for licenses, because we'll, we'll provide you licenses, and Linux means you'll bring your own licenses. Okay, go ahead, click next. On the next page, you will see, you'll, you'll see a, a few options. So the first one is, where do you want to start replication? Do you want to start replicating the server right now? Or do you want to start replicating it starting Monday onwards? Okay, once you select either one of those options, the second choice, yeah, just stay with um, immediate and go to the second one. Yep. So the second choice is, what what's the frequency at which you want to replicate this before a cutover happens? So you can go ahead and configure a system. If it's a critical system, you know, you configure a, a more frequent replication schedule versus if it's not so critical system, you know, you could be a little more relaxed. So select 12 and move on. Um, this is where security um, comes into picture. So you will have a role, and, and it's documented in the user guide. So you let us specify a role that you will use from the connector to interact with, with, with AWS. And then the last thing is a description field where you can go and say web server. Or you can say web server, comma, cutover date, 1230, whatever you want to do. It's a description field. Okay? And that's about it. Um, this is the last screen before the replication begins. It's a quick recap of what configuration options did you select for that replication job. And then one, the moment you go ahead and hit create, The moment you will go ahead and hit create, um, it will show up on this tab called replication jobs. Okay? Replication jobs, something notable on replication jobs is um, there are there are two columns that you want to be that you want to be aware about. One is the third column which says job. Oh wow, there are four screens. No pointer, sorry guys. So the third column says job state, and you will see the first one shows deleted. Uh, everything else shows active. Um, there are three possible job states. The first one is deleted. Imagine you started migrating a server. It was replicating over a period of time, and you did a cutover of that server. You'll have to go ahead and at some point 
cancel replication because there's no source available to replicate. So you'll go ahead and delete the replication job at the end of a successful cutover, right? So that's the deleted job. Uh, everything else shows active. The third possible state is a failed state. If a scheduled replication job failed for whatever reason, it will notify or it will show up a status on this page and it will provide you additional details on the cause of failure. Okay? The cause of the failure could be a network outage, a network problem, or it could be completely different, something else, right? But it will provide you details so that you can take those details and either work with your existing ID or work with AWS support to get your problem fixed. Okay? The second thing that you will, you see is that fourth column which says latest AMI ID. Okay? So, Sukhwan, rather than going through columns, why don't you, yeah, why don't you select one of them and bring up the window. Okay. So, we just selected one, one particular replication job um, so that we can retrieve more details about that job. What you see on the more detailed page is, Sukhwan, go up. You see, you see a progress indicator, and there are four tasks, four overall tasks that happens with a cutover. Right now, it shows the replication is scheduled. The second phase is it has started seeding data. The third phase is started converting AMI, and what's really happening in the back end is we're removing unwanted drivers. For example, we don't want VMware tools on an EC2 instance. So we'll go ahead and update network drivers and things of that nature. And then the last stage is uh, AMI creation. Okay, so the AMI will be made available to you in the fourth phase. Um, if you scroll down, there are quite a few interesting details on that where, for example, when did you initiate this replication job? What is this server? Is that replication job stayed active, deleted, suspended, whatever? And um, what was the license type that you chose to use? Okay. Let's scroll up and click on the run history. So in the same, in the same tab, uh, in the same replication details page, what you also see is there's a tab called run history. And what you also see in that history is all those replication jobs that were successfully executed. All of those jobs all of those replication jobs are available as a unique AMI or an Amazon machine image to you guys for you to go and launch. So imagine that you want to launch an instance with a state of whatever it was three days ago. You have that option to do that. Okay? So here are all the AMIs available. Sukhwan, can you go and click on launch instance? Yep. So you clicked on launch instance and then that's it. He's done. That is cutting over a server. That's all that is required. Okay? With that, please allow me to, work to, to invite John. John's a director of IT at TechNIP and one of the earliest customers to use it in production. Welcome, John. Yeah, earliest customer. There you go. Thank you. Um, it was kind of interesting. Several weeks ago, I got a call from the, the team here and said, hey, would you be interested in presenting with us you know, your use case? <clears throat> so we recognize I've only been using the product for about five days. 
He said, yeah, that makes you one of the older users of this tool. So we're grandfathered in now. We've been using it forever. Um, see if I can make it go. Am I going the right way? There it is. Uh, Technip is a global oil and gas player. We are uh, uh, 30,000 plus, 45 different countries. We're in a merger right now with FMC. We're going to add another 15,000 users, another 30 sites globally. Um, we spend a lot of time uh, re-engineering our IT world, and the cloud has been a big part of that for the past few years. We've been involved with Amazon for almost three years now. We started kind of like everybody does. We started moving our backups, got rid of all of our tapes, and then um, started moving some workloads that made sense, things that we understood well, things we knew what we wanted to do with. During the summer, our security team did an, their annual audit, and for some reason they focused a lot on the DMZs and really found a mess. So the security team kind of went crazy, said the DMZs are, are, are not being managed well, they've proliferated over the past few years, we have 50 plus DMZs with 400 servers globally, we're not really sure how they're set up or what's going on. Um, so a stop was put to all that and the decision was made, we're going to move all of our DMZ servers to the cloud. So everything's going AWS. Uh, I'm going to get a little specific here, you did such a good job up front, I don't have to give you a lot of details on how the tool worked. Our use case was to create a very standard process for getting a DMZ environment in the cloud. Uh, we had been working with uh, Amazon for a while, but we brought in an expert. So we brought in a team from uh, Austin, Flux7, a, a premier uh, partner. And because what we wanted, we knew this was going to be security, audited, monitored, have to follow uh, the rules. So we brought in a team that could document that and could represent that for us. So best practices, the newest tools, all this. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time going through that because it was, if you've been in AWS at all, it's very standard. We have templates, we have scripts. In 30 minutes, I give this thing some IPs. It turns up what we consider a strong DMZ, subnetted out. Um, multiple availability zones, securities in place, connectivities online, everything we want is there, but that's the easy stuff. There's a bunch of sessions around here talking about that. <clears throat> Once that's created, it are empty. We have all of our workloads we now want to bring across. We've been doing this for a little while. We knew some of our servers would need to be scratch built just because of what they are. And you, you write those, but there's a small number. Of the 400, I got 20 that are going to need to be done from scratch. So we were looking at AWS export, but because we wanted to do this from a centralized team, we wanted to set a team up of really only three or four people who were going to execute this for everyone globally. <clears throat> so the third-party tools got really interesting because they gave us a very, very consistent mechanism for doing what you just watched this tool do for free. So when this became available in October, uh, the next day, and, and I'm... I can't say enough how accurate what he says, how this thing. We sat down in a conference room with a, a computer. We had no idea. We had done a little bit of reading. Within an hour, we had migrated two serve, two SES servers over, and they were running. I mean, they came up. We had a, we have a, a, an AWS uh, VPC that's an extension of our data center. So the IP schemes, all the pathing. When they came up in there, they joined. The, they were joined to the domain, and they were logged in. So we, needless to say, we were impressed. We grabbed ten more servers. Uh, that represented the workloads we were likely to be looking at in the cloud. I mean, in the, in the DMZs. And on a Friday, we fired them up. And coming on Monday, we're going to take a look. We had eight out of ten made it. Two had failed. I'll get into the failures in a second. Um, but that's 
So we went and grabbed a couple of those and spun them up in the exact same thing. Individually, these servers looked like they did when they were in my VMware world. The two that failed, one of them was a, uh, um, a clustered SQL server, and the quiesce, it actually failed on the VMware side on the snapshot. And the other one was too big. We had, we didn't look at what we grabbed. We grabbed the two terabyte, and um, uh, we, you need to do those a different way. So there's a way around that, but the two that failed were not because of the process. The process worked fine. So what we got out of this was we suddenly knew it all worked. So what's been happening for the past week, and I mean, this is, this is in flight. What's been happening for the past week is we rolled an entire um, SharePoint form, built a database out there, did all that, and the reports I'm hearing from the, uh, uh, the team this week is everything's working fine. The only thing we had to do when it was spun up was because we're doing it in a sandbox, the IPs are different, they had to go back into the SharePoint and they had to repoint a few things to get everything lined up. But once they did that, stuff came in and we didn't have any problems at all. So the state of what we're calling the DMZ project today, we're going to move four to 500 servers, and there's a variable in there, because as we actually look and tell people, hey, we're going to move your DMZ, take a real good look and tell us what you need to move, they find half their servers they don't use anymore, so we turn stuff off, and so it happened in the U.S. We had a lot of stuff we cleaned up. We're going to develop that specialized team. We already have it. There'll be uh, probably two folks in Houston and one in the U.K., uh, that will be able to execute this across the globe. I mean, the way the connectors hook up and you can build your own VPCs and you, you get all this stuff set up, we can have guys sitting in the, a guy sitting in the UK can connect to three or four different data centers with connectors and funnel them all into one, one environment. Now, in that case, what we do is we set that, definitely set that up. So we set the replication going. Once we got a couple of good replications in, we set up a sandbox with some systems. Because now the platform guys from that region have to get in and figure out what, what did we just change. We just pulled things from different areas. But from my point of view, the expertise required to do the move is centralized and going to be centralized in three folks. This is just application problem after that. It's no different than if I was picking up and moving them to a colo. So from my app team's knowledge base, they don't need to know any of the things that, that we've learned. Now, the fact that it only took us 15 minutes to figure it out, but, but again, rights, control, management, that's one of the things in our governance model we try to keep centralized and, and where, it, where it can, especially on stuff like this, where not being in compliance in some issues can be a contractual deficiency. So we, we really can't go there. Um, the sandbox setup, the phase rollout, uh, you end up, in the bigger DMZs, our office in Paris may have 300 of these servers are sitting there. They're not going to be able to migrate the whole thing in one lump. It's going to be a hybrid environment. You're not going to have app teams. They're not going to be available when you need them. So we're going to, it's going to spend time moving this thing across. But like I said, not only can we do regional phases, within a region you can just isolate a group of servers and move them. So it's, it, the flexibility and the speed that things move is just is very, very comforting to have. Um, at the end there, I wanted to put something. You know, for me, ROI and, and, and savings on an internal job like this is just man-loading. It's, it's how many people, for how long, am I going to burden with this task? What we've seen, and we had not, I can't say we had moved with the traditional methods that we had moved hundreds of servers before, because we hadn't. But we had moved a bunch, and we knew exactly what he was saying. It's manual, and it's, it's a one-on-one -on -one relationship with the event and the, and the operator that's doing it. The difference here is you really can. I mean, we set up 10 servers as an afterthought at the end of a day on a Friday. Just clicked them, set them, and walked away. You don't configure the yes. Three buckets, there's nothing to configure. It, all that happens against your account in the background. 
We walked in on Monday and they were sitting there. All we had to do was look at the errors. So again, 80% success, 20% failed. We knew why when we looked. And uh, uh, the single GUI, I mean, we got a bunch of scripters. We like the command line stuff. I mean, you don't need any of it to be successful with this. Um, results, kind of standard by today's you know, uh, expectations. The big one here is the project as a whole was a security project. That's what motivated the effort. However, what we really got out of it, it's the two on the, on the, the right side, the self-service IT. We're envisioning suddenly an opportunity to help folks migrate systems and we're really interested in the in the, the evolution of this product that's coming. Different types of systems, physical systems potentially, you know, other things that could happen. <clears throat> because again, with a very small team, I can take what is the cloud piece of this problem out of the region's hands. They don't need that expertise. Again, leaner, I mean, I'm in the oil and gas. For the past two years, I've been told I got too many people every day. So to be able to do more with less is a big deal. So I can now put a small group of folks with the expertise and suddenly the self-service component takes on a different meaning for me. I can move things and turn it over to the app team and they solve it. It's just in a different data center from their point of view. Um, consistent governance, uh, foundation for the future. These workloads were identified and a global project created for a common purpose security. So it was a great test bed. This was really our first global effort. And I'm saying was, is. We're in the very early stages. Um, but it represents how we're going to do this moving forward. I mean, suddenly, migration of systems isn't a, a, a roadblock. To, to, to moving things to the cloud. You can now do this relatively easy from a small group and not have to push the, the project button, you know, big, big money every time you fire something up. And I put the ROI on here for the project, uh, the ROI is, is manpower. From my point of view, I will need significantly less people for significant, uh, the only thing we'll be handling are the anomalies. So if my, I'm figuring at least 50% of the servers will make it. If I'm lucky, I'll hit my 80%. At that point, I've saved a tremendous amount of time. ROI from the SMS, he made the point, it's free. We looked at a lot of high dollar tools that did really cool stuff that was going to help a lot. But everything I need seems to be in this tool. So any, we were looking at some other project, uh, products and all that's on hold right now because I really don't see the need. And again, his point is valid. Some folks, those extra features are going to be valid. You're going to need potentially to, you need to know what those other tools do and compare it back out. But for the concept of lift and shift, this thing can't be beat. That's about it. Like I said, following him, it was, it's as easy as he says it is. I mean, I just, I can't make it any simpler. Uh, we're waiting to see the explosions. I'd like to be up here telling you I've moved 200. Uh, we haven't, but talk to me in February. Thank you, John. Thank you for saying that, John. Oh, no problem. All right, I've got 11 minutes on clock, and I saved best for the last. All right, so this is the, this is the State of Union today, okay? If you are embarking upon a migration journey, there are quite a few tools available in the AWS portfolio to assist you with your migration journey right from planning to performing an actual migration 
or only moving data or data transfer to post-migration validation. And beyond all of that, there's marketplace. If your use case is not met by any of the existing available AWS tools, you're welcome to go to marketplace, find a suitable partner tool, and use those services. Okay? A lot of these partners also offer a super economical option for performing migrations. Okay? So, you know, quite a few options. Um, carefully review them and use whatever best suited for your use case. But, what we spoke so far, or at the beginning of the session, is we're working on, we're working on a concept of, a concept like this, okay? What, what's really happening is, our customers are giving us a feedback that all the existing tools, whether AWS or partner provided, are very server-centric. You look at a server, you think about a VMD key, you think about converting a VMDK to an AMI, it's a server-centric approach, okay? None of you in the room are gonna consume or perform migrations based on a server-centric approach. You will always look at an application affinity and move those affinity groups together. Otherwise, your users are gonna complain about the user experience, and though you might have successfully lit up the system on the other side, your users are not going to accept it, right? Your project will turn out to be a failure. And therefore, most customers, most migration projects, are always based on that affinity definitions. And therefore, we're working on this thing where we're changing our approach from a server-based to an application-based or a portfolio-based approach, okay? We're trying to do this whereby if we provide you with a single pane of glass where you can monitor, discover, identify, create affinity groups, click on replication, do status reporting, monitoring of what's happening to your replication jobs, and do dashboard reporting on what percentile of servers are already cut over into AWS, right? If we give you all of this from an application-centric view, that would be an awesome thing that would accomplish. Okay, that's where we're thinking. That's where our thought process is now. Beyond server migration service, purely looking at it from an application perspective. That's it. If you guys have questions. <laughs> if you guys have questions, we'll be still here. If not, please, Please remember to do evaluations. Thank you.